Welcome to Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Listen up at the end of today's episode for a little message. Chapter 12 Old Evil Teddy would not be budged from his spot behind the curtain. No amount of rubbing or words of encouragement worked. So Jenny gave him another dog treat and left him there to anxiously chew on it. The priestess's little lab was busy as usual. Scientific equipment, books, jars, and all kinds of interesting items covered two workbenches on either side, all lit with the glow from paraffin lamps on high shelves. The two badgers were at another workbench at the end of the lab, sitting on high wooden stools. There were a couple of glass measuring beakers on the bench next to them, half filled with a transparent ochre liquid. Take a seat, the priestess said, gesturing to another stool halfway along the workbenches. It was piled with leather-bound volumes. Oh, just put those next to the polariscope. Jenny hoisted the books up in one go. The top book, Jenny noticed, was titled Digitalis, A Pathological Adventure in Pictures. She slid them next to a strange barrel-shaped instrument. It had three brass dials and a pair of goggles attached to it via a twisted cord. Thanks, Jenny said, hopping up onto the stool. Me and Teddy got into a spot of bother out there. You were in quite a hurry to get in here, the priestess said. That makes a change. Most people are not desperate to be in the same room as a psychotic badger. Both badgers chuckled at this statement. Jenny wasn't sure whether the priestess meant herself or the king under the fort, and she was too relieved to have escaped the police to let it bother her. "'Are you planning on performing a medical operation?' the priestess said, raising her thick, furry brow. "'What? Oh, the mask!' Jenny pulled it down. "'It's for the virus. But I'm not here about that. Who is the long man?' "'A pest!' the king under the fort said. "'I'll be glad when he's wandered off to wherever he's going to torment next!' "'Is he very tall and wears a hat with squirrel tails as tassels?' Jenny asked, thinking about the cowboy. "'That's him. He's an old evil,' the priestess explained, "'that has roamed Sussex for as long as we badgers have been here, and probably longer. "'And Julian is right. He'll grow bored and leave at some point, and then things will get better again.' "'Why is he here?' Jenny asked. "'To annoy me!' the king spat. "'Calm down, Julian. Have some more pastinaccio, will you?' The great badger picked up the glass beaker with a huge grey-furred paw and took a sip. He held the liquid in his mouth for a moment before swallowing and letting out a long, contented breath. For the past fifty years, the long man has stayed in county, the priestess said, mostly deep within the forests of the South Downs. It's one thing that we can count the increscent traffic for. The roads have forced him and his preeminent friend to keep away from town. So the current lack of cars has let him and the polecats into town, Jenny asked. Yes, the polecats are merely a nuisance, nothing we couldn't deal with on our own, the priestess said. But it's Skady that's the real threat. She controls the polecats, and the long man controls her. Skady? The cowboy, I mean the long man's weasel thing. It isn't a polecat? Ha! the king snorted. If she were, I'd have cleaved her clean in half with a quick snap of my chops. He gave a bite to demonstrate, his huge canines catching the lamplight momentarily before they closed with a loud click. 
It reminded Jenny of the time that he had threatened to eat her and James, deep underground below the hillfort. Skady is most definitely not a polecat, the priestess said. She is a creature not seen in numbers for a century or more. A pine martin, no less. A dedicated and merciless killer, trained through generations, unstoppable as the rise of the moon. In fact, her whole guild of assassins was bred and trained just to protect against the likes of Skady. No tail, Jenny said. A grey assassin. Indeed. That poor squirrel won't rest while Skady is around, the priestess said. One of the last of her kind. Ironic, really. The prey became the predator. But it was only by sheer numbers that the grey assassins rid our county of the pine martins and forced them north. Don't be fooled. As much of an expert in execution that no-tail, as you call her, is, she is no equal to Skady. Which is why, as Julian has said, we must simply wait until the long man has had enough and leaves of his own accord. Jenny thought about James's description of no-tail, the fearless assassin, paralysed by fear. She also worried for Hegel, and hoped that the defences of the elm tree were as effective as the hedgehog had claimed. Then she thought about the bent gate, and her mind wandered to the cure that the priestess had made for her before Christmas. "'Can I ask you about my ankle?' she said. "'I took the pills, and they work perfectly, thank you.' The priestess nodded. "'But I was wondering,' Jenny paused. She didn't want to sound ungrateful. "'Were there supposed to be any side effects?' This time, the priestess took a sip from her beaker before answering. "'Nothing we do is without consequence. You cannot fix a thing and have it the same as it was before. In your case,' the badger flicked a claw towards Jenny's ankle, "'I could not fix the ligament without also applying the fix to the rest of you. And a damaged ligament, even in one as juvenile as you, will never fix perfectly. So my fix will always be needed.' so you made the rest of me stronger to fix the ligament. In this case, the priestess said, healing you has given you the opposite of an Achilles heel. It's your strength. Not a bad classical reference, even if I do say so myself. And if I'm not mistaken, she looked over Jenny's head, your pursuers have just given up and left. A tiny tinkling sound came from above Jenny. She turned and saw, above the thick curtain, a set of bells set into round portholes in a hardwood case. One bell was still quivering. There was writing of some kind scratched into the wood above each bell, but Jenny couldn't read it at all. I'd better go, she said, slipping down from the stool. It's late. Thank you so much for letting me in, and I hope things get back to normal soon. It's not so bad here, the king said. A little cramped, but there's decent drink at least. Don't go getting ideas, Julian the priestess said. I threw you out once, and don't think I won't do it again. And you? She turned to Jenny and fixed the young girl in a black-eyed stare. Don't go getting ideas about taking on the long man. I can cure a lot of things, but if he sets his friend on you, the best I'll be able to do is identify your remains. She said the last words so coldly that Jenny actually shivered. Come on, Teddy, she said. Let's get home. Teddy was more than happy to leave the company of the Badgers and followed her enthusiastically out through the wall door and into the cemetery beyond. There was, thankfully, no sign of the two police officers. She pulled up the face mask and set out around the far side of the church. 
Dyke Road would take her homeward while giving her a wide berth of St Nicholas Road, just in case the officers had decided to wait for her there. They walked briskly up the hill. Teddy strained and scampered and sniffed and seemed to have boundless energy. Must have been from being stuck inside for weeks. Though that hadn't given Jenny the same vigour. It was only the thought of bumping into the police officers again that kept her marching on. The late hour, combined with the lockdown rules, meant that she neither saw nor heard another human all the way home. There was an abundance of animal activity, however. If the polecats were keeping the rats and squirrels at bay, then they were not having the same effect on the foxes, cats and hedgehogs. Jenny couldn't remember ever seeing hedgehogs around town, well, other than Hegel, but he didn't count. She used the last of her mental capacity to carefully sneak into her house. Treats for Teddy, pick him up, ease the door open, shoes off, creep upstairs, avoid the creaky floorboard by her parents' bedroom door, open her door, collapse on the bed. Despite her assurances to Mrs Perry, Jenny did not put Teddy on the floor. Neither did she take her own clothes off. She simply snuggled up to the dog on top of her duvet, dragged a pillow under her head, and fell immediately to sleep. Whether it was the ingrained routine of an elderly woman, or the low sun streaming through her window into his eyes, Jenny was woken early by Teddy wriggling out from her embrace and licking her face. Stop it, she said sleepily, holding the dog away with a forearm. Okay, okay, I'm awake, I'm awake. Her alarm clock said 6am. Despite the lack of sleep, Jenny forced herself up. Come on, boy, she said. Let's get you back to Mrs. Perry. And you've got to promise not to say anything about any of our adventures to anyone, understand? Teddy looked at her expectantly. She pulled another treat from her coat pocket. That was one good thing about sleeping with all your clothes on, at least. You didn't need to get dressed in the morning. Being in total isolation meant that Jenny had no idea of the rest of her family's routine. It was Thursday morning, which would normally have meant that both her parents were up and getting ready to commute to work. There was little chance that her sisters would be up this early. Still, she gathered Teddy in her arms and took him downstairs. The ground floor was still and silent, no smell of coffee brewing or bread being toasted. She didn't even bother with her shoes, just stepped out onto the pavement in her socks. It was cold and quiet out. She knocked on Mrs Perry's door and waited. The old woman opened it in her dressing gown. Teddy leapt excitedly up at her. Down, Teddy, she said, while rubbing behind his ears. Down, you silly boy. Thank you so much, Jenny said. It was lovely having Teddy around. That's all right, Mrs Perry said. I'm sure he enjoyed it too. Hopefully I'll be able to walk him more now that I'm not isolating. Jenny left Mrs Perry cuddling Teddy. Hang on, what's this? Mrs Perry said. Jenny looked back to see her fiddling with Teddy's collar. She unravelled a bit of paper tied to it. It says, Property of Zen and Bobby. Mrs Perry looked up quizzically. Is it yours? Oh yes, Jenny lied. We were playing a game. I don't need it back. She stepped back onto the pavement, just in time to see a figure in a black hoodie turn into the front garden of her house. Annabel, she called, running lightly on her toes over the paving stones. Wait up. Her sister turned and pulled down the face mask that Jenny had made for her. She looked tireder than Jenny, like she'd been out all night. Where have you been? Jenny asked. I was about to ask you the same thing, Annabel said sharply. 
It's not safe to go running around town at night. What? Jenny said. Then her expression changed as she realised who the droplifter was walking out of the glass-fronted building with James. That was you! I can't believe it! You're one of the drop... Shh! Annabelle cut her off. Not out here. Someone might hear us. Come inside and we'll talk about it. The older girl opened the front door and went through to the kitchen. Jenny followed, still not believing that her sister was one of the droplifters. Annabelle put the kettle on and got two mugs out of the cupboard. Sit down, she said. She made them both a cup of tea, then closed the kitchen door. Don't worry, she said. No one gets up until eight o'clock these days. No point. Please tell me you haven't been working with the long man, Jenny said, and stealing things around town. Annabelle groaned. I told him to keep quiet. What's your boyfriend been telling you? Nothing, and he's not my boyfriend. I saw you last night coming out of the office building in town, and don't tell me that you were doing your daily exercise. It was better when you were isolating, Annabelle said. No one else even cares. Yeah, I'm a droplifter. Yeah, I've been doing things for the long man. So what? He's evil, Jenny said. He is, Annabelle said. Seems okay to me. And he lets us use the club in town. Buys us beers and vape juice. Seems like a pretty decent guy. He's kicked animals out of their homes, Jenny said. He's taken the king under the fort's hall to stay in. The what? Annabelle said. What animals? The fort. Oh no, your boyfriend went on about the hill fort. I told him not to go near it. He's not my boyfriend, Jenny said. Call his house, now. But it's early. I don't want to have to wake his parents up. Jenny slammed her mug down on the table and grabbed the landline phone from a shelf near the kitchen door. She was in such a hurry to call him, she got his number wrong twice. Then it rang and was picked up. Hello, James's mum's voice came through. Oh, hi Mrs Patey, Jenny said. Is James there? I'm out of isolation today and thought he might want to meet up online later. That's good news, Jenny. Good to hear you're all well. But James isn't here, I'm afraid. He got up early to do his exercise. Said the roads would be clear for a cycle. He'll be back in twenty minutes, mind. Jenny's heart started racing. The priestess's dire warnings about the long man and his evil pine martin, Skady, drifted into her mind. Do you have any idea where he's gone? She said, hoping that she didn't already know the answer. Oh yes, he said something about how nice it would be to see the sea. And you know, the best view is from the hill fort. Okay, just a quick announcement. It's not going to be too long until James and Jenny need some help from other members of their gang. And their gang is called the Green Hands Gang. I know I haven't mentioned that yet, but it's been quite hard working out how to get other children involved during lockdown. But I've come up with a way of doing it. So, if anybody that is listening fancies being part of the story, and by that I mean your name will be one of the Green Hands gang members that does some stuff. I'm not exactly sure what yet, but I'll work it out. So if you fancy being included as a character in the story where nothing terrible happens to you, then please just drop me an email at tom at brightonadventure.com. Tom at brightonadventure.com. And I will write you into the story in a few chapters' time. Anyway, thanks for listening.